How I love your word, how it lights my path, how it guides my way. So this reading is from Luke 1, verses 39 to 56. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has looked with favour on the lowliness of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things in me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her for about three months and then returned to her home. Dear Father, um, we just pray that you fill Ian up right now, full, full, full to the top of your Holy Spirit. I pray you bring peace to his heart and that he is able to share what you want him to share this morning. And please bless him and bless us as we hear what you have to say through him. In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. So what's been the big question this week? What's been the big question that's been going around? Was there a Christmas party at number 10? Or was it just a business meeting with cheese and wine? For you sporty people, should England have picked Stuart Broad for the first test and avoided humiliating defeat? Actually, I think here's the big question. Is it pronounced Omicron or Omicron? Actually, that's a little kind of a fun introduction, uh, how to pronounce the fifth word, sorry, the 15th letter of the Greek alphabet. It's a very p- petty and, and pedantic thing. But I, I would like to look at 
the text that we've got before us. Uh, I think there are things in there which help us to learn much more of what we're looking at this morning, and that is to look at Mary and perhaps why God did choose this, this particular woman uh, um, to bear Jesus. Uh, and I think um, looking into the text will help us. Sometimes our English translations aren't particularly uh, um, helpful because they miss some of the subtleties and the nuances that are in the original languages, whether it be the Greek here or perhaps the Hebrew and the Aramaic of the Old Testament. And we miss things. Uh, and we also perhaps don't look at the structure of how things are written. Um, and so I'm going to look at that, little, that now. I know it's a little bit nerdy, but that's me. You know me. I like this kind of thing. Uh, and it was bound to be nerdy anyway because I'm wearing what my children call my geography teacher jumper. <laughs> you see, it's got patches on the arm. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you, Donna. That's kind. Uh, and sadly, actually, I do remember my geography teacher actually wearing jumpers <laughs> like this. So. But anyway, in preparing, what I, in, in doing that little bit of, of digging and looking at the text, I've really come to... I've really come to love Mary. Um, you know, before we kind of get the, the, the kind of the stick figure impression of Mary by our nativity plays that we are in at school and by the Christmas cards. And then as we learn a little bit more, as we go to carol services and, and as we read scripture a bit more, we get that kind of basic outline and, and then we move on to kind of seeing features and, and, and how things develop. But actually looking at... Um, uh, our passage this morning, uh, I've really kind of seen a little bit come, coming to 3D. There's that little bit extra, that little bit uh, more of who she is. Uh, and I've, I've just come to appreciate her even more. And, I, and she's become less of a character in a book, but more of a real person. Uh, and I've really been touched by that. So I hope that's something that I can convey this morning. Now, we look at the, the text we begin, and now Mary has has uh, had the visitation of the angel Gabriel uh, and had this wonderful uh, prophetic word spoken to her. And uh, we assume that when the angel left, she she experienced that overshadowing of the Holy Spirit that would uh, enable her to conceive Jesus in her. And she's now off to, to, um, to see her cousin Elizabeth. Probably a journey of about three or four days She's up in the north in, in Galilee, and she has to travel down to, to Judea, um, probably to a town on the outskirts of Jerusalem. Remember, Zacharias is, is one of the priests who serves in the temple, uh, and, and so he would be kind of in, living close by, so that when his, his turn comes up on the rotor, he can travel into Jerusalem and do his duty. Remember when Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan, that parable, and there's that road between Jerusalem and, and Jericho. And along it goes the Levite and the priest. Well, that's kind of Zacharias going from his, town, his hometown and going into Jerusalem to serve in the temple. So Mary's making this journey down to see her cousin. And you wonder kind of what's going on in her mind. Remember, Gabriel has told her that Elizabeth is now pregnant, probably six months pregnant, uh, it may have kind of come, got back to the family on the, on the family grapevine uh, and now um, you know, to have then Gabriel say that this has actually happened, this has kind of spurred her on to go and visit Elizabeth. 
I think they probably knew each other quite well from the way that we see their, their um, interaction um, in the passage. But there's something extra, isn't there? Elizabeth now has experienced something that Mary herself has experienced. And she's perhaps going now to, to speak to her cousin about it, to share what's going on, the excitement of it, the worry of it, the concern of it. What does it mean? You know, how have things happened? And so we see Mary come down to visit Elizabeth and enters the house of Zacharias and Elizabeth with that wonderful greeting. But on those four days, and what we've learned of Mary just from that encounter with Gabriel, we see Mary is one who's a real thinker. She really kind of gets hold of, of things that are said to her and ponders. That's the word, isn't it, that's used in the, in the text uh, uh, about the visit of Gabriel. That she ponders these things. She moves them around in her head. She thinks about them. She, she, she um, uh, cogitates, she ruminates over the, the things that are said to her. And we know this is a characteristic of Mary as we look at her story throughout the rest of the Gospels. We know that she's uh, when, at the birth when the shepherds arrive and they say the things that they say you know, on their visitation from the angels. We know that Mary, again, ponders these things in her heart. She carries them in her heart and thinks them through and wonders what goes on. I mean, even when they think they've lost Jesus going to the temple when he's 12 years old and they, they have that visit to, the, to Jerusalem and then they're going off home and they suddenly realize that he's not around uh, and they go back and find him and, and, and Jesus explains why he, was, he, he stayed behind. Again, we read that Mary thinks about these things. She holds them in her heart. And I think this is wonderful that we have uh, this picture of Mary uh, who's someone who's really serious about stuff that's spoken to her, who's really serious about the things that happen in her family life. And she thinks and she holds them uh, and um, she wonders about what's going on. She reasons about things. So that's one aspect of Mary that I really caught hold of. The second one is I think that she really has a, a, a very high view of Scripture. Uh, it would be of her, you know, of her, uh, her culture anyway, of it being a Jew. Um, but when Gabriel delivers that message to her, although he didn't quote chapter and verse, there are things that he says in there which would resonate with her because she knew the Scriptures. There are things of the promises and the announcement of Gabriel that would really kind of echo in her heart, knowing that she's read them from the Old Testament. Uh, uh, the, the greeting is something that's used uh, for other visitations recorded in the Old Testament, being a favoured one. It's something that the angel speaks to Gideon, for example. And the name Jesus, God who saves... I mean, that would be certainly foremost in her mind when speaking about um, uh, the things of Scripture. That would be her understanding of God. It's a God who saves. And that would have been testified to by her, the history of her people. He would be great, son of the Most High, of the throne of David, of the house of Jacob. He would have a kingdom that would never end. All these things would come out of Scriptures that she's read in, in Isaiah or Daniel, 
or the Psalms or, and other places in Scripture. These things really would kind of bounce around in her heart. So for a thinker, these must have been things which really were worth deeply thinking about. And also from the stories of the Old Testament of other women too who had this experience as Elizabeth had who weren't able to have children. There are at least six, maybe seven other stories uh, from Israel's history where women have conceived, been told that they were barren. Starting off with uh, Sarah and Rachel and Rebecca in Genesis, Hannah in 1 Samuel, uh, Manoah's wife or Samson's mum in, one, in Judges, and in 2 Kings, uh, the Shunammite woman uh, also. So there are stories there that, you know, kind of, which would kind of, uh, that she would really be thinking about, that would be going on in her head and thinking about for her cousin Elizabeth and what this means. So with this openness that she has in thinking and in, and in reading and understanding scripture and really kind of working things through, she receives what the Lord has, speaks to her, both from scripture but also from the prophetic word that's spoken into her life. And that really made me, as I say, admire her even more. That she would and then uh, take hold of what Gabriel had said, that she would bear a son when the Holy Spirit came upon her. You know, engaged her mind and, as well as her heart in these things. And I really loved that about her. I know that we as a church, we've expressed it um, in house group leadership meetings, and I've heard others say too, that we want to be those who are, those who hear the word of God, not only direct from scripture in our teaching, um, which is fantastic, which is lovely to have, and we're so blessed to have uh, folks who come week in, week out to teach from the scripture to us, and and I I greatly uh, admire and appreciate that, and we know we get life from it when they share the word with us and the word goes into our hearts. It plants things and grows things in us, Lord, in our, in our, us, in our walk with him and in our faith. Um, but we also want to be those who hear the word prophetically and are able to give then to one another, to encourage one another, to build one another up. Sometimes to, to, um, to give warning, but mostly to be those who enjoy and expand and bloom and flourish in the life of God that, has, that God has for us together as a congregation. And we want to be those who hear and also those who respond because Mary's faith, Mary's understanding of the word, Mary's response to the prophetic word that's spoken to her was one of obedience. And she says, may it be to me according to your word. And that's what we want. So Lord, would you help us to have merry-like hearts who hear your word and respond in obedience and faith to it. Amen. Let me go on. When um, Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. What a moment that must have been. Um, To hear someone call out a greeting to you and suddenly to know the presence of the Spirit with you. And that Mary was, uh, sorry, that Elizabeth was then filled with the Holy Spirit. And she speaks three things out then. In verse 42, we then speak about blessing 
She says, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Now, this is a familiar kind of greeting that was made in those days uh, to uh, those who were pregnant, and I'm sure that you've been saying that to Ada through her pregnancy. Uh, and maybe Paula, maybe she experienced that too during her time. You've been going up and saying, blessed are you among women. No? Oh, all right, okay. <laughs> maybe you ought to try it then. And it uses the word blessing, um, um, the word that's given for the word blessing, and this is where we kind of look at um, the, the differences, the, the, the nuances of the scripture, uh, um, which perhaps are not obvious to our readings. The blessing that initially is given as a greeting to Elizabeth is a usual kind of blessing. The word blessing, eulogemene, um, basically is like that we would pray blessing on the, on the meeting. Now, Lord, would you bless? Come and bless this meeting. Lord, will you, would you bless Auntie Flo because she's having trouble with her false teeth? You know, it's, it's that kind of thing. We're asking for the Lord to come and do something. We're calling out to the Lord for us to receive something that we don't have. And so, in this sense, Elizabeth is, greeting, so is being greeted with these wonderful words of blessing. However, we see then, we'll skip over the, the, kind of the, the second thing that's said to the third thing, because that's where the, the second bless, blessed comes. Blessed is she who believed, for, rather than that, perhaps it's a better translation, for there will be a fulfillment of what have been, has been spoken to her through the word, or by the Lord. And here the word for blessing is makaria. It's a much deeper, a much perhaps richer word. This is not a word that goes, Lord, we'd like you to bless what you're going to do. But it's more like you're blessed because, you've be because what you have believed is taking shape. It's a fruit of new faith. It's a new reality that's coming into being because of what you have believed and what you have done. And so it's the result of God work, uh, sorry, of working with the word of God that is not empty. Or, you know, nothing is impossible with God, the, uh, uh, Gabriel says. More literal translation, the word of God is not empty of power. So it will achieve that. The purpose is, is in Isaiah 55. will achieve the purpose for which it was sent. I think uh, the prophet writes... This is the greatest blessing that she received. God has done something. It's coming into shape. It's coming into being because of believing the word and acting upon it. And therefore, Mary is blessed. Jesus endorses this 30 or so years later. There's a time when he's been teaching and addressing the Pharisees in particular. Uh, and he's actually healed, then, then heals a mute who's been uh, oppressed uh, by the devil. And he heals this man. And a woman cries out and she says, Blessed, Makaria, is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. In other words, what a blessing it is for your mother to have such a nice boy. 
But Jesus then says, no, on the contrary. Blessed Makaria, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. And he knew from his mother's experience, his mother's life, that she was one who heard the word of God and obeyed it. And he was blessing her and those like her and saying, you know, that's the real, that's the greatest blessing of people. Uh, and, and not, um, we get blessed because we're related to somebody else. <laughs> and we know Mary is like that throughout her life. You'll remember the story of the wedding at Cana when they run out of wine. And she turns to Jesus uh, and says, come on, they've run out of wine, come on. And he then turns back to her, and, and, and I'll quote the scripture from, uh, from John 3. It says, woman, what does that have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. And this is really kind of an idiomatic saying. It's Jesus being very formal and polite to his, to his mother, um, not as I've heard it preached um, the word woman is a little bit kind of impatient or, or something. I, you know, I think that's completely wrong. Um, he's being very formal and polite to his mother. But basically what he is saying, let me do it my way. And then she turns to the servants and says, do whatever he tells you to say. You know, do, do whatever he tells you to do. So you understood what Jesus' words would come out, you know, what he would say to them, what Jesus would do, what he would say to the servants would really see something of what God wanted to do, what the law wanted to show. And so she understood that throughout her life. And then that middle thing, middle saying of Elizabeth, we've had the two blessings, um, the, the greeting of blessing, but then the real deep blessing to Mary that um, she says Elizabeth says to Mary how is it that the mother of my Lord will come to me through the spirit coming upon her she knew that Mary was pregnant with the Lord the one who was to come there was that revelation that she would not normally have had I mean Mary probably was not not even a week pregnant and so you know this had to have been a revelation of God for her then to understand perhaps uh, that what she was saying has such a great import that she's declaring that the thing that is coming the blessing that's taking shape is the Lord coming to his people and that's something and I think this is a kind of a foreshadowing of what would happen in 30 years time when John the Baptist or John the Baptizer would actually then meet Jesus for real by the Jordan and John would declare that Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That he would be the one who would baptize in the Holy Spirit. And I think this is a lovely touch where we see the kind of the foreshadowing of this happening, albeit through the mothers, (laughs) through the women, but uh, the announcing of the new things that God was doing It starts now, and it starts with Elizabeth, and it starts with Mary. 
And I think Elizabeth is there representing the old, you know, the people of God as they have been since up to that point because she's a part of the family of Aaron. She's in Aaron's line, the high priestly line. And Zacharias is a priest in the temple. And he's, they are both considered to be righteous by God, doers of, of the things that they should do in obedience to the law. And then Elizabeth, this Elizabeth representing the old, meets the Mary who is bringing in the new. And she declares the new thing that's happening is of the Lord and it is the Lord. And then we have this wonderful uh, outburst of praise and worship from Mary. I, um, I'm not going to look at it in great detail, really, because there's too much in it, as there's too much uh, uh, else to look at in Mary's life that would really be a blessing to us. But she brings all her thoughts, all her contemplations into this wonderful hymn of praise, into this wonderful outburst of worship. In verses 46 and 49, um, she worships and you get a sense of the humility of Mary. That she understands that, albeit she's of low status, yet the Lord through his mercy and grace would take a humble woman such as her and use her for his purposes. And she worships the Lord. The same with us. The Lord will take us, regardless of our status, and he can use us to do great and wonderful things for him if we give ourselves to him. And then she engages in, in this um, way of bringing uh, praise and worship and a mixture of the scripture that she understands and has known and is carries in her heart. And she declares of the Lord for us, the people of God. And she kind of puts it in this way that sometimes is written in the Old Testament of, uh, in, in couplets. And here she puts kind of one, one good thing, one bad thing. You know, for those of you who watch Match of the Day, they do two good things, two bad things from the matches that they've covered on there. But here Mary kind of gives one good thing, one bad thing, you know, in alternate ways. And you'll see the first one is, he has done mighty deeds with his arm. The good thing, the Lord has acted. The Lord is on the move. The Lord is working. And how is this manifest? He has scattered those who are proud in the thoughts of their heart. The second thing, he has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. You know. The next one, which is a quote from Psalm 107 that Mary picks up and uses and speaks out of the Lord to say, he has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. So those who have nothing of themselves, he provides with good things. But those who would seek to provide for themselves out of all that they have, their own resources, they will not receive because their hands are full of what they have already given themselves. And then this last couplet, he has given help to, to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy. And, well, the good thing should follow with a kind of a bad thing, if you like. 
uh, something like, well, let's have a look. He's blessed Israel, so he's going to, he's going to rout the Gentiles and send them packing. That's what kind of the, the opposite of, what, you know, of what's already been said about you know, being part of Israel, receiving the help and mercy of the Lord. Come on, Lord, get rid of the Gentiles. But no, she stops it there because I think she begins to, by revelation, begins to understand what the new things that are happening are going to be. In fact, I think she's quite clever because she then goes on to say, what is that next couplet, you know, second part of that couplet is, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants to ever, forever. Sorry. Abraham, as we've seen, is the father of faith. It's he who believed God, that promise of God for having a son or having an heir when both he and his wife were beyond the age of being able to have children. And the Lord spoke to him and said, you're going to have heirs. You're going to be a blessing. You're going to be a father of many nations. So he heard God's word and believed. And it was credited to him, credited to him as righteousness. So she then puts in this, something that she comes to understand herself, something that Mary has, uh, has uh, um, sorry, Elizabeth has already declared to her, a blessing for those who hear the word of God and, and do, uh, do it and follow it and obey it. We've heard Jesus' endorsement. And so she comes here and says, help is coming to Israel, yes, but this one is coming to the nations. The promise is coming you know, as I told of Abraham all those generations ago, that he would be the father of many nations. He would be the father of many nations who had the, the opportunity and the ability to believe God and to act on his word. And here it is. Jesus is coming to fulfill that. I believe that's what the Lord is saying through this. So, kind of in summary... I've just kind of got four things for us to take hold of, perhaps from what we've been considering. From our, this wonderful woman, Mary. The, three th- sorry, the four things are, let God speak to you and get to know his voice. As Mary was able to listen to the Lord and receive the words that were spoken to her, both out of scripture and also as prophetic, she understood, she heard the resonance of God speaking. She was familiar with how God's voice would sound. So let's be those who get into the word and understand and get to know the voice of God. Keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's our privilege to be those who receive this wonderful gift, constant gift of the Father into our lives. It what makes us distinctive as people that we have the presence and the life of the Holy Spirit within us. So keep on being filled. Keep on being filled as, as Paul uh, urges us to. Step out in faith and obedience when we hear God's word and see what he does. And be involved in the new things of the kingdom that are coming through us because the kingdom of God is God at work in his people by his Holy Spirit to the world.
Amen. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity of looking into your word. We thank you for this wonderful woman of faith and obedience. Uh, this tender-hearted woman who, uh, who knew your words, who understood uh, and recognized the resonances of you speaking to her and having a heart soft, a humble heart soft enough to, to take that word and to act upon it, to act in faith and obedience. Lord, would you help us as your people to get into your word, to hear your voice, to become familiar with your voice in our hearts and in our lives. That as you speak to us individually, as you speak to us as a congregation, we would be those who are ready, ready to act upon what you say. In faith, Lord, increase our faith that we might see you at work in us, at work in releasing your kingdom into this world through us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, fill us afresh again with your Holy Spirit. May he be the constant overflowing fountain of life in us that we might be a blessing to one another as we share life together in Jesus and as we are light to the world, declaring the goodness and the good news of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this woman. We thank you for uh, that it, through her, just these things have just blossomed and flourished and Jesus is here among us now. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.